I don't know if you know this, but I have a granddaughter. <laughs> two. I have two granddaughters. I have a granddaughter named Lucy and a granddaughter named Nora. Now, Lucy is not uh, doing crafts at this point, at least not intentionally. But Nora is. And uh, every now and then, Nora will make me a craft. What, what I mean by that is she will work diligently and purposefully, and she will draw a picture. And, and that picture is for me. And she will work at that picture. She will use different colors and shapes and squiggly lines. And uh, she will create this special um, masterpiece for me. And she will even put her name on it. She'll get help from her aunts or her mom or her dad, and they will help her spell her name, N-O-R-A. And I'll come to her house, or she'll come to my house, and here she has this treasure. And she said, Poppy, Poppy, look what I made you. And I take it in my hands. What a joy. What a treasure. But imagine if Nora says, Poppy, Poppy, I made this just for you. And I take it from her hand and I look at it. And I say, man, that's ugly. And I crumple it up and I throw it in a trash bin and I call it junk. What a tragedy. There's something wrong with my eyes, something wrong with my heart, something wrong with who I am that would take something especially made as a treasure and I call it trash. God, at the very beginning of time, created humanity. Unique and different than all the other creative works, God made humanity. Genesis 1 says that God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. In the image of God, he created him. In his likeness, he created them. God made every person with a beating heart in his own image. That means that God has made a treasure. Made in the image of God literally means that we are treasures to God. And God has given us the stamp of his dignity, the measure of his majesty, and he's planted it upon us. Made in his image and in his likeness, he created human life as a treasure. That human life as a treasure begins at conception, continues at birth presses on through life and even to death, we are made in the image of God. God calls us his treasure, and yet we live in a world that so often calls 
the treasure a trash. And it must never be that way. It must never be that way because God has put his stamp upon every person with a beating heart. And that means that it begins in the womb. And we see this. That's not just, and please hear me, this is not a political sermon. Don't take it as a political sermon. I mean, you're going to. Some of you, y'all are going to automatically take this as a political sermon. This is not a political sermon. This is a theological biblical message on Sanctity of Life Sunday. And that's what we're doing. We're looking at the sanctity of life. Now, some of you, most of you, I know my crowd. I know my church. Many of y'all are here, and y'all are gung-ho on sanctity of life as it relates to the unborn. But you're not that big on sanctity of life as it relates to the immigrant on the southern border. And I'm here to tell you that God has stamped every beating heart, every person, whether the uh, adult on the southern border trying to get into the United States or the unborn in the womb. Both are stamped with dignity. Both God calls a treasure, and yet some of us call one of those or both of those trash. And it must never be that way. Psalm chapter 82, God meets with a divine counsel. Now, a lot of ink, a lot of my ink was spilt trying to define what uh, verses 1 and 2 say. I'm not going to try to explain it. You can ask the question in the Ask the Pastor series that will begin in February. You write that down on the blue card, and I'll try to answer it on a Wednesday night online. Uh, but I'm not going to try to answer it today. Let me just say, uh, let me read it first. Psalm 82, begin verse 1. God stands in the congregation of the mighty, or the divine assembly, and he judges among the gods. Some translation, instead of God, says rulers. Instead of some uh, rulers, it says spiritual beings. Uh, the, the Hebrew term there is Elohim. Elohim is the same name that we find the first big G-O-D in verse 1. That's Elohim. So there's questions about what it means. Here's what I, and I told you I wasn't going to answer it, but let me go ahead and, and give you a quick one. We know that God is in heaven. He's meeting with these cats, whoever they are. And these cat daddies have the ability, the right, the responsibility whether they're spiritual beings or earthly leaders, as some have said, these people have responsibility to judge justly on the earth. And God condemns them because they failed to judge justly. All right? Everything else is supposition. That's what we know for sure. All right. Now, verse 2. How long, God asks, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Verse 3 and 4 tell us what we're supposed to do. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. 
Verse 5, God talks about these judges. They do not know. They do not understand. They walk about in darkness, and because of their lack of knowledge and lack of understanding and walking around in darkness, the whole earth is unstable. It's shaking on its foundations. Verse 6, God says to these judges, these rulers, these spiritual beings, or these little G-O-D-S, you are God's. And all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the rulers or princes. And then the psalmist comes back in verse 8 and says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. All right, just quickly and succinctly. Uh, We don't know what heaven looks like. We don't know what a divine assembly looks like. Here's what we do know. God puts in hands of people... And maybe even spiritual beings, according to the whole of Scripture, the responsibility to order things according to God's design. God has a way of doing things. It's called justice and righteousness, mercy and truth. That's the way God has designed it. And these people, whether they're earthly rulers like Israel's judges or whether they're spiritual beings that God has given charge, they are failing in their job. They are not judging justly. They're not executing righteousness. They're not doing what they've been designed or commanded to do. They are failing at their job. And God says, you will die. I'm going to judge you. You are going to perish because of your wickedness. You are not defending and you are not delivering, verse 3 and 4. And because you're walking around in darkness, the whole earth is on shaky foundation. Because you're failing to do your job, the whole earth is shaking. And God's going to come and he is going to judge because the whole world belongs to him couple of things before we get into what this message is talking to us about. First, uh, just quickly, God is in charge. God's in charge of everyone and everything. God is sovereign over all things. God knows, God does, God will judge. And there is not a person in this room that is outside the judgment of God. There's not a person under the blue sky or the rainy sky that's outside the realm of God's judgment. We are going to be judged by a holy God. He's in charge. Whoever these people are or spiritual beings are in verses 1 and 2 and then again in verse 5 and 6, whoever they are, here's what we know. We know this side of the cross and the empty tomb, uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we know that God has assigned responsibility to his church to exercise justice to do the defending and the delivering for people in our world. Whoever they are, we know who we are, and we live under the weight of the responsibility that God gives us. And that responsibility begins as the church, you and I, it begins with this statement, that God holds all human life as sacred, made in his image, made in his likeness, Every human being, every person with a beating heart, whether in the womb, outside the womb, whether in North America, South America, Mexico, whether in Middle East or Russia or any other geopolitical state, every person who is breathing air 
is made in the image and the likeness of God. And God calls them his treasure because of that. And yet so many of us spend our days calling the treasure made by God, we call it trash. Because we don't like it. We don't, we're afraid of it. We're scared of it. The inconvenience of it. We have a lot of different reasons while we uh, look to uh, the unborn and say, that's just a bunch of cells that's not really uh, real live human beings. Well, that's not hardly true. Again, this is not a, the, uh, a political message. This is a theological message. And I know that many of you already agree. Do you realize that most people already agree with what I'm about to say in this room today? But about 50% in the United States of America do not agree with this statement. Okay? Here's the statement. The baby in the womb is a full life. Stamped as a treasure of the living God. It is not a lump of cells. It is a living being. Oh, don't give me too many amens because I'm getting ready to hit all of you ameners. I'm about to hit y'all too. <laughs> told, I told the staff on Friday night, I said, I'm going to get emails from both sides. And it's not because I'm two-siding it. It's because I am simply telling you what the Bible says. And some of y'all are more intent on listening to what your favorite news channel has to say or your favorite commentator has to say, and you're failing to hear from the word of the living God. So the unborn is made in the image of God. From the moment that heart begins beating, moment that conception happens, that, that, that is life in that womb. And we should not call God's treasure made in his image. We should never call it trash. But what shocks me is how many of us believe in the sanctity of the uh, life of the unborn and refuse to acknowledge the sanctity of the life of the immigrant one to come in from the southern border. Not as many amens on this one. Here's what happens. We don't like what they're going to be bringing into our world. We don't like what they stand for. We are afraid of them. You know, it kind of sounds like an expectant mother who's about to have a baby. And the daddy's nowhere in sight. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She's afraid of what might happen. The inconvenience of what might happen. I don't like this. And so she chooses death instead of life. But, oh, us Baptists, we sit around in the comfort of our pews and we say, oh, well, that person down there, they're an adult or they're, they're, they're from the southern border. They, they're, not, they're not people we need to value. You might say, well, I value them. I just don't want them around me. What? Is that really the tack you want to take? You disagree with my statements, then let's just sit down, you and me. Let's sit down, let's have a conversation. You bring your Bible, I'll bring mine, and then let's see what God has to say. 
Rarely do people take me up on that. You want to know why? Because they know that their viewpoint is skewed by the culture around them or the politics that they embrace, and it is not informed or directed by the simple theological truth that God says all human life is sacred. He counts all human life as a treasure, and we enjoy calling some human beings trash. This is the same mistake that this divine assembly, whoever they are, it's the same mistake that they're doing. They're judging with partiality. I'm a big fan of judging people that look like me and act like me and smell smell like me and live near to me. I'm a big fan of treating them with justice and righteousness. But if you don't look like me or act like me or have the same scent as I have or live near me, I'm going to treat you like you don't matter. I'm going to treat you like trash. And both are made in the image of God and we forget that. So here I'm here to tell you. And by the way, I know some of you are going to get mad at me, and that's okay. Because my job is not to make you happy. My job is to tell you the truth. Not my truth, nor your truth, but the truth from the Word of God. Here's what God's Word says. God's Word tells us, Jeremiah 1.5, in case you wanted to know. Jeremiah 1.5, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. David said in Psalm 139, God, you know me from my inmost part. You wove me together. You created me. In the womb, that is life. Made in the image of God. That is God's treasure. We don't call that treasure trash. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. God's, uh, the prophet said, you know what is right, O man. What is good, O man, O woman? You know what is good. But to do justice, to love mercy, literally to love love, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. To do justice. That's what... That's what God is getting at here, verses 3 and 4. He's telling us what we're supposed to do because we embrace that simple truth that God has called human beings a treasure, and we're not going to treat a human being like trash. So from conception through birth all the way through life and up to death, we're going to treat men and women, boys and girls Born and unborn, we're going to treat them with the stamp of God's image upon them. And we're going to treat them like the treasure God made them be. We're not going to crumple them up. We're not going to throw them in the trash and call them junk. You you say, well, that's Old Testament. We need some New Testament. You go over to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, I, I, you know, I was, I was going there. Let me, let me go ahead and go there. I don't want to get too far away from what I wanted to preach, but, you know, this is pretty good stuff. Matthew 25, Jesus is judging all the nations, and, and uh, 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 there, he separates them. Some on the right hand, some on the left, some going to uh, heaven, some not making it, which means hell. And, and, and he, he sets, he calls them sheep and he calls them goats. The sheep are in his family. The goats are not. And in verse 34, the king will say to those on his right hand, come uh, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And, and here's the measure. 
For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And right to say, well, when did we do all this? And, and Jesus said, as often as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. And the king answered and said to those on his left hand, he said, uh, he said, depart from me. This is verse 41, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they will answer Jesus and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and you and didn't minister to you? And Jesus will answer them and say, surely I say to you, inasmuch as as you did not do it to one of the least of these. You did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous shall inherit eternal life. Guys, I got to tell you how we treat people made in the image of God matters to God. Not just the unborn, including the unborn, but not just the unborn. Look, I, this is a layup for a large portion of our church. The layup message. I could just preach the ones where y'all going, amen, but fail my task as the pastor of this church. As pastor of this church, I want you to know that we should fight for the unborn. We must. We will. Our church does. But we must also fight for other image bearers, all other image bearers and if we don't then we're not doing what Jesus has brought us into his family to do all right so what are we supposed to do well first we must verse 3 defend uh, the poor and the needy uh, defend the poor uh, and the fatherless, the ju do justice to the afflicted and to the needy. What, what does that mean? It, it simply means that we need to take up the cause of the vulnerable. We need to take up their cause. It means that we need to inject our life into their situation. Being poor and fatherless simply means they are helpless and they can't help themselves and they're oppressed and crushed by life and they need help. And it's our job as followers of Jesus Christ, brought into the family of God, given responsibility by Jesus himself to care for the naked and the stranger and the thirsty and the hungry and those who need clothes. It's our job to step into their world and provide for them the help that they need. Not because we're trying to earn our way to heaven, but because we are children of the living God and we see what God calls a treasure and we treat it like a treasure and not trash. We are called to intervene, not stand on the sidelines and scream and howl at the moon about how shaky our world is and how messed up it is. Friends, it depends upon you and it depends upon me to stand in the gap. For those who are vulnerable, those who can't help themselves. And yes, I believe that the unborn is the most vulnerable of them all. That, that 
that baby in the womb has no one to guard him. Innocent. More innocent than anybody else. As we measure innocence and guilt. And yet, we'll stand in the gap for that unborn. But they don't lose the stamp of the image of God just when they're born. Oh, friends, family, brothers, sisters, just because they're born doesn't mean they cease to be made in the image of God. The same thing that motivated us in the pre-birth is what should motivate us post-birth. We should still treat God's treasure like a treasure and not treat God's treasure like a trash. It means we've got to take up the cause of the vulnerable. Take up the cause. Stand in the gap. I'm taking up the cause in some ways right now. It's going to... Anyway. All right. Take up the cause. Verse 4 tells us that we need to create a way of escape for them. Create a way of escape. Look at verse 4. It says, verse 3 says, defend. Verse 4 says, deliver. Deliver the poor and the needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. Uh, It is our job not merely to defend them, to intervene in their cause, but then to actually step in and clear the way of escape. Uh, All of us look at someone like Harriet Tubman and we think, oh my goodness, Harriet Tubman was such a hero because, and by the way, if you don't think Harriet Tubman's a a hero, then please say, up an appointment with me. I mean, Harriet Tubman's a hero because here is someone who's been set free from slavery and then uh, stands in the gap for those who are under the weight of that oppression. Hero. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should excel in the pursuit of treating human beings as God's treasured creation. And if we don't, then my goodness, are we really part of God's family? Have we really been changed by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ? We should be engaged in creating our own railroad to freedom for those who are pressed, beaten up by life, crushed by circumstance. We've got to clear the way of escape. Now, that's the message. Uh, the, the message is that's what we're supposed to do. We, we see all human life is sacred to God, so it must be sacred to us. We take up the cause of the vulnerable, and, and that's what God's called us to do, to defend, and, and then clear the way of escape. That means we're supposed to deliver, and, and we're supposed to do everything under the will of God's grace to, to, to clear the way, to defend, and to deliver. That's what we're supposed to do. I love imperatives in Scripture. It makes it simple. For me, if it's a command there in Psalm 82 verses 3 and 4, then it's a command to me. In this context, it's a command to me. So are we doing it? Um, so that, that's the message. Here's um, application. All right. So it, 
I don't want to leave you without application. I, in fact, this message is really all about application. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been rescued by God's grace through faith in Christ. You've been brought into God's family. If that's who you are, if, if that's who you claim to be, then first and foremost, I want to challenge you to make sure your view is a reflection of God's view and not a reflection of the culture in which you live or the comfort that you want to embrace. When you see people, born, unborn, you see people made in the image of God, do you see them through the lens of God's perspective? Or do you see them based upon your political uh, matrix that you're put over everything? You know, what's amazing is I'll be called anything from a liberal to a fundamentalist today. And the reason I'll be called those things is because you are measuring me not based upon God's word. You're measuring me based upon the political pundits of the day. Now stop getting your theology from the news stations. Open the word of God and get your viewpoint about humanity about human beings made in his image, the treasure that he's created. View people through the lens of God's eyes. Don't crumple them up and throw them in the trash bin and say they're junk just because that's what is expedient for you or your political motivations. Made in God's image. That little baby in the womb and that immigrant from south of the border, the Middle Eastern who cusses, curses the name of Christ. All made in God's image and God calls them all his treasure. And who are you to crumple that up and throw it in a trash bin and say it's junk. So we need to adjust the way we view people around us, people we see on the news. We need to adjust our view. I mean, I didn't say this at 9, 9 o'clock. I don't know if I should say it. I'll say it. I mean, I'm all in for a penny, in for a pound. We look at people, LBGTQ plus, and we say, that's trash. God forbid. We look at LBGTQ plus and we say, made in the image of God. That's a treasure. That one's going to get me some emails. All right. When, when God says defend the poor and the fatherless, when he says deliver the oppressed, set them free from the hand of the wicked, he's, he's talking to us about people that are not part of his family necessarily. He's talking about people made in his image. So we need to adjust our view. And second, we got to get involved, got to get engaged. You have to step into 
the work that God's called you to step into. And by the way, as followers of Christ, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the 21st century in the Hampton Roads region, we are the guardians of God's standard for justice. We are. He's holding us accountable. And that means you and I, we've got to get involved. When we walk out of, these room, out of this room, you go across the hall, you look at the table, and you hear about the Crisis Pregnancy Center of Tidewater and how we partner with that, that wonderful organization that stands in the gap for the unborn and for those mothers who choose life. How they, for more than a decade, Edie and I have contributed every single month to the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Why? Because we want to get involved, and that's the least we can do. We've got to get involved. We have to get engaged. Do you realize this is the whole plot of God's story? Written from Genesis to Revelation. This is the whole plot. Because he values every person made in his image. Whether born or unborn. He he values them made in his image. That's why he sent Jesus. He didn't send Jesus to the perfect people who've already got it all together. That's none of us. He sent Jesus to the wicked of us. To the sinners of us. He sent Jesus to rescue me. Wicked though I am. To set me free. And to give me life. And you and I. As followers of Jesus, as part of his family, you and I have been given this assignment to engage people where they are, to treat them like God's treasure, not like trash, and to share with them the good news, the way that they ultimately get to freedom. And that's through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we're a church that does this. I, and I want you to hear this. I, I, I want you to hear That we are a church that takes seriously this mandate from God. And I've I've written written these things out, and I I, want to read them to you. I I know I don't read a lot, but I I mean from paper. And on a Sunday morning while I'm preaching, I don't read a lot from paper. But I want you to know that this church, this family that God has raised up called First Norfolk, we're a people that take seriously... The mandate from God to defend and deliver so that we might treat God's treasure as a treasure and not as trash. And just a couple of examples. First, uh, most of you, all of you know how that uh, when the United States left Afghanistan, those who were in support, uh, uh, who helped the U.S. um, in Afghanistan were then targeted by the Taliban for death. And they were targeted by the Taliban for death and... um, One family found their way to Pakistan, then later to Qatar. In April 2022, they found their way to America. And God raised up First Norfolk to be their advocate, to support them, to be friends with them, to treat them as treasure made in the image of God. So in April 2022, Uh, This family came to Virginia Beach. We began to rent a home for them. First Norfolk did. We rented a home for them. 
We assisted the family uh, with housing and, and all that that entails, with food, with health care, transportation, clothing, education for the two children. But today, the family is entirely self-sufficient. They, they, they rent the home for themselves, looking at permanent uh, location. They have their own car, their car. You know, we still uh, partner with them. We, we still have members who engage with them and, and talk with them because we care about them, their treasure, their treasure. They come from a religious background. It's not like ours. It's different. We pray for them to be embraced by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do, but it doesn't change the fact that we treasure them, them for who they are, where they are, made in the image of God. That's who we are as a church. <clears throat> I've already mentioned the CPC. More than two decades, our church has partnered with the CPC of Tidewater. And we believe, even though Roe v. Wade has been overturned, everybody, uh, you know, hoorah, you realize that abortions are estimated to increase by 10% in 2023 over 2022. 2022, 930,000 abortions in the United States. It's estimated in 2023 there will be over 1 million, 1 million 54,000. There's work to do. And God is calling us as a church to get involved. I love how uh, our families are involved in the CPC, uh, how their children are involved in the CPC. Isn't it time for you to get involved in the CPC? Because we count that unborn child and that woman with an unexpected pregnancy, we count them as treasures. We don't crumple them up, throw them in the trash bin and call them junk. Other examples, I'll just shoot them out to you. Uh, 2023, First Baptist Church in Norfolk spent $98,000 on benevolence. What that means is we spent $98,000 to help people who are overwhelmed by life, who don't see any help for themselves, but we stand in the gap for them. Almost $100,000 in 2023 just helping people. Just helping people. In 2023, our church provided one week's worth of food for 4,472 people. Yesterday, at 7 o'clock, First Norfolk members got in the parking lot across the street over here. And they provided a week's worth of food for 111 food insecure families. That's 390 people with 91 of those people being children under the age of 10. And by the way, we shared the gospel and three people came to faith in Jesus Christ we gave 35 Bibles out through the Gideons with whom we partner. God blesses our faithfulness to treat those 
who he calls treasure, when we treat them like treasure, God blesses our faithfulness. This is who we are. We're not a, we're, we're not a one-note willy when it comes to helping people. We believe that it is our task and our mandate. So my challenge to you as we close this message, and some of you are thinking, please close this message. Get involved. If you're a If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a part of this church family, stop standing on the sidelines, spouting your political views. Start treating the treasures that God has made as the treasures that he names them to be. Get involved. Doesn't mean we skimp on truth. I don't. Doesn't mean that we uh, compromise God's word. We don't. We follow God's word. To the T. And we look at those who are made in the image of God as his treasure. And none of them are trash. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, pray that you would apply your truth to our hearts, that we would step into the calling that you've given us and that we would be faithful in following after you. Ultimately, Lord, I pray for every person made in your image that we, the church, encounter. I pray that they would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the only hope they have to experience life in eternity. The only uh, hope that they have to experience life in all of its fullness. I pray that given the opportunities to uh, defend and deliver, we would soak our defense and our deliverance with the message of Jesus Christ, which alone can save. Father, I pray that you would raise up your church to fulfill your purpose in our world.